श्री गुरु वैष्णव परंपरा की जय जय गुरु भक्त वृंद की जय श्री गीत जयंत की जय जय श्री कृष्ण अर्जुन की जय भगवान गीत की जय जय गुरु प्रेमानंदे gathered on the uh, sacred Gita Jayanti they commemorating the birth of the Bhagavad Gita and read from the concluding words of the text and here Wherever there is Krishna, the master of yoga, and the archer, Partha, there will always be good fortune, victory, wealth, slash well-being, and Righteousness. This, Sanjaya says, is my conviction. This is the last verse of the Bhagavad Gita. Shrimad Bhagavad Gita ki jai. And we cited on the day of the birth of the Bhagavad Gita, which might draw our attention to the first verse. And uh, that's exactly what this verse does. It draws our attention to the first verse, which we find, in which we find. Of course, Sanjaya, Dhritarashtra, asking the opinion of Sanjaya, and here he gives his concluding opinion. So the end and the beginning has some correspondence. Um, we'll discuss the verse a little bit, but um, the Gita, of course, historically speaking, um, is, a, is quite an ancient text, there's probably no, from an academic point of view, definitive date of the speaking or composition of the Gita. But um, there is an ancient inscription in Karnataka, in the cradle of India's architectural wonders in the form of beautiful temples in South India, um, that is thought to be uh, dated around 600 in the common era. Mm-hmm. That's probably a, a, uh, a date that is um, people agree on from different perspectives. And uh, there it is mentioned the uh, Kurukshetra War and it's mentioned that it happened about 3,000 years really they give a precise number of years but I'm just paraphrasing that 3,000 so 3,000 and then you add a couple thousand to the time we are now roughly about 5,000 according to the inscription years old was the Battle of Kurukshetra and was there readily, arguably, the Bhagavad Gita, of course, 
which is found uh, as a central piece of the great Mahabharata, the um, work describing the uh, political climate of the times and and the war, the great Kurukshetra war. Um, And the Gita uh, is has a very central position to that text. And the Mahabharata itself is a very extraordinary work. It's very compelling. There have been a number of different uh, editions in modern times, and even um, dramatical, theatrical um, enactments of the text. Um, I was recently uh, brought to my was brought to my attention an edition by a godbrother of mine who was always a good storyteller and um, and uh, I was told it was a, a very interesting and good addition in a very kind of concise way um, so I hope to get it and, and, and see for myself but uh, many devotees in come and in the presence in our times have will testify to the um, compelling nature of the narrative of Malbard and the way the characters are built up and and so forth and uh, and um, and the uh, the storyline with its political uh, intrigues and romance and, and so forth um, all uh, arguably building up to the point of a fratricidal a war of all things um, kind of a, a civil war plus as much as a civil 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 war um, a war amongst uh, closer family members as it would be um, so at the by the time I want to say that the um, we arrive at the birth, if you will, of the Bhagavad Gita. It's in the Bhishma Parva, this section of the uh, Mahabharata. Again, a great book, Mahabharata. It's, uh, I think, over 100,000 verses. The Gita is, to put it in perspective, 700 verses approximately. The Bhagavatam is 18,000. So 100,000 verses is long work. It's, it's an extraordinary uh, composition to write at a, an epic of a hundred thousand verses. That's an incredible um, uh, accomplishment. And um, I believe it is the longest epic in human history, larger than the Iliad, the Greek, and the Odyssey combined, which are, of course, famous in the Western world. Now, Mahabharata, as I say, has also come to the attention of the West to some extent, and there are many translations, as I mentioned, the dramatic performances, theatrical, and, and um, so on. So, at any rate, in this very compelling text, full of, as I say, political intrigue, and romance, and, 
exiles and gambling and <laughs> all kinds of things uh, that were, are just on the par you know, with what people are interested in, uh, what excites people. Um, uh, as it builds to um, a climax, practically, you know, up to the war. Um, you know, if you're watching a movie and there's this build-up and there's some question about whether the war will take place or not, but be, there were all types of diplomatic uh, efforts to avoid the war and so forth, but it becomes um, inevitable. And the main character, um, in one sense, is Yudhisthira, who is the rightful heir to the throne and Duryodhana, who the son of Dhritarashtra wants the throne. Uh, for himself, and Gaurasta wants it for his son as well. Um, um, the main character, in, in a sense, Yudhisthira, the rightful heir to the throne, is of course um, um, accompanied by his brother, other brothers, but his main brother in this sense, Arjun, the great warrior, greatest warrior. And um, And so, as it reaches a point of, of no return, and everybody is on the edge of their seats, the war is about to commence, the armies have assembled, and there's no going back now. And um, um, in the midst of all of this intrigue, there's about to be bloodshed and, and so forth, um, the Bible of Gita is spoken. So it's very artful. In a, in a sense of, from a literary point of view, where the Gita is placed within the Mahabharata, everyone is on the edge of their seat. You're waiting for the, uh, no one would miss the next act, even for the call of nature. <laughs> uh, so, in the, the Bhagavad Gita, yeah. So, and it, and it takes the text, obviously, uh, to a different level from the Discussion of Dharma, the morality, um, proper human, religious human behavior, and so forth, righteousness, um, the morality that I um, describe as living in a cage, the taming of the, of the wild uh, side of humanity and taking them towards a a uh, civilized and uh, proper or considerate life where there's some some exercise of of control, self-control or doing the right thing even when it's not convenient for one's senses and mind which wouldn't this is not a, in a topic of discussion in the animal world uh, but in the human world, it should be, and so this is morality, and we start to try to tame the human species, if you will, um, and and to make it fully human. First, you have to take it out of the wild, put it in a cage, and don't do this, and don't do that, and so forth. Give them a little food, a little reward. <laughs> For, for going this and, and taking this up, even when it might be difficult in, in relation to the demands of the body or the mind and so forth. 
and you get uh, the same reward. This is the Dharma Marg, and this is really largely what the whole um, uh, Mahabharata is uh, consists of. And glorious as it is, and, and interesting as it is, and so forth. This is the level of the of its uh, um, spirituality or relation to uh, to. Um, Truth, the nature of being, and so forth. Mm. Uh, but that's a beginning, mm. and, um, and as we know, it's hardly the end of the humanizing, if you will, of, of humans who could be, as the Bhagavatam says, dvipadapashu, just two-legged animals. Mm. So to take them from being two-legged animals to actually being humans. Then you give, and let's say you put them in the cage, you give them a reward, and you let them out of the cage, and this is where the Gitas come into, come out of the cage, actually, and and and, and fulfill the uh, reach the uh, the uh, the um, heights that uh, human life affords us the opportunity to reach to transcend itself, its limitations. Would speak of rise out of the jungles to rise above the the moral life, even to the spiritual life, um, which is a peculiar thing, very peculiar. It looks often quite different from the moral life, even. Um, so, have to go into that, I suppose, to some extent, but. But this is uh, then what the Gita is about. Mm. In a, in a way, it is, it's very much um, follows the idea of having inquired about religion. One is qualified to inquire about Brahman. There is the in the Vedic text. There's the Purvamikku. The 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 the, the, the karma the purva mimams the uttar mimams the purva mimams uttar purma purna purva and uttar so first section later section first is this larger section of inquiry about morality dharma religious life and so forth and having been successful in that, one is thought uh, uh, to be qualified to now inquire about Brahman, about spiritual life. This is the uh, where the sutras of uh, Vedanta begin, Atato Brahma Jiknasu, but that's the, the Uttar Mimamsa, but the Purva Mimamsa begins, Atato Dharma Jiknasu. Now is the time to inquire about Dharma for humans and they become fully human hmm, and move from animality, become civilized, and polite, and, and have some sense that uh, there's more uh, meaning and value to life than simply um, meeting the demands of the mind, the senses, the body. Hmm. Um, being accomplished in that understanding, the idea is they're fit. They have eligibility, adhikar, for further inquiry. Hmm? Of course, while that's true, 
and the texts are set up in that way, there's also a fast track, if you will, or another option, and that is in terms of becoming qualified for inquiry into Brahman. And that is Sarasanga, hmm? so, by the right association, despite being not being accomplished, if you will, in religious life, then one can inquire in, into Brahman. And by the inquiry and the pursuit, well, uh, such things that would come about in one's life by pursuance of the um, the Dharma, the religious order, will, will come about and more. Hmm. So, the Gita is about Brahmajignasu and it's found right in the context of a big answer to the question about Dharma. What is the nature of Dharma? Hmm? Here is the pro-Dharma. Arguably the Gita is not only, obviously uh, from our point of view, uh, it's objective, not only about inquiry into Brahman, hmm? but from Brahmajignasu to Rasa Jignasya, it's just in a, in a beginning sense, and it's sequel, if you will, perhaps not in a, in, a, in a sequential sense of writing one after the other, but the thought patterns and the ideas of the Gita, the sequence of this, um, is the Bhagavatam. And Krishna is the sub- main subject, uh, main, main subject, really, yeah. So the Gita, hmm, his instructions to Arjuna. And this kind of wisdom is followed in the Bhagavatam by the narrative of his whole life, what he's all about, which is as we get a little glimpse of here in in the Gita. Um, and that is the world, the Bhagavatam, the world of the world of the soul. And there is the soul and there is the world. The soul can the, the depths, as I like to speak of it, the subjective world and possibilities there and so forth. So, at any rate, very artfully, uh, the uh, Yasa has placed the Gita right in the height of the Mahabharat, and but this time you're attached to the right people, hopefully, to the Pandavas and and uh, and to Arjuna, and you're impressed also by the the the, 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 uh, the valor of an Arjuna hmm? and the, the, his prowess as a warrior hmm? and and as the Gita begins he drops his bow what power has he met what has he what, what has he come in touch with what ideas that, uh, that are causing such a powerful warrior to tremble and uh, express uh, fear. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so this is the, what is the march then, even from religious life to spiritual life, what courage it takes. This is the, the idea. Hmm. And will you have a whole army to go with you? Hardly. Hmm. There was a whole army on the other side. They were on the wrong side of Dharma. Um, and the Pandavas were on the right side of Dharma and that Yudhisthira was the rightful heir to the throne and so forth and it was being usurped because of attachment hmm? the Gita begins with those three Dharastra inquiries he says 
पर क्षेत्र कुरुक्षेत्र
proceed. And so when Duryodhana arrived, he was disturbed that Arjuna had got there ahead of time. But he thought, Arjuna is sitting at the feet, I will sit at his head. Because when he wakes up, then I'll be right there. And he'll see me, and if he sees me first, then my question will be entertained first. And I will ask ahead of Arjuna, I want you to be on my side. He wanted him to be on his side, for what reason? That he could defeat Arjuna and the Pandavas, who were so devoted to Krishna. And the, this, the, 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 in this story, of course, the example of Arjuna's devotion is what? Hmm. What's the example of Arjuna's devotion in the story I'm telling? Well, he went to Krishna's feet. He sat at his feet. Don't sit on the same seat as the preceptor. He sat at the feet. Hmm. And Krishna woke up and looked at his feet first. <laughs> yeah. And so, he was at Arjuna. And hmm, Arjuna asked the question, I want you to be on my side. And then he said, yes, certainly I'll be on your side. And Duryodhana said, well, I had the same question. Krishna said, I, I, well, let me resolve it in this way. I'll be on the side of Arjuna, and my armies here in Dwarka, you can have them on your side. Both parties were completely satisfied, thinking mm-hmm. victory was sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the point being here, among others, that Arjun uh, went with Krishna on his side and he went and followed the order of Krishna, which was challenging, and he went without a whole array of armies comparatively. Hmm? On the one side was the Pandavas, five Pandavas, and on the other side were so many more gurus. <laughs> it reminds me went to meet years ago in Namadweep when uh, it's gone made a a, uh, a policy that no one could hear from uh, Sridhar Maharaj who was, was across their Ganges in his place at Kuladeep and um, there was only a few devotees on that side and the whole of big of Iskong members on the other and and he knew that the policy was wrong and probably would not have approved of it and so forth he made this I think he when he made this point hmm? referring to the war and our side there's only a few and there there's hundreds hmm? but Krishna's on our side hmm? we will be victorious hmm? So this is the confidence of Arjuna, this is the kind of confidence with which we have to go forward, that the invisible world is on our side, hmm? the subjective world, no, the objective world, and, and those identified with it. Hmm? This is, the, the, the Bhagavatam begins in, in its, its second beginning with Sukadev speaking in the second canto, Pashyatam, what is it? Atmasayan Yeshu Sat Sapitesham Pramadam Bhutanam Pashanabina Pashati. Atmasayan Yeshu Sat Sapi. And Sukadev begins to speak to the 
the monarch, sage to the monarch, to the Raj, Prichard, grandson of Arjuna, man of character. But a worldly person by appearances, well, he was a great devotee, and his glory and character, qualities and so forth, are all beautifully brought out at the end of the first canto as we as we start to enter into the second canto and Sukadeva will come on the scene and the questions of Pritchard Maharaj are answered, addressed by Sukadeva, the sage. But the sage says that in this life, in this world, we surround ourselves with fallible soldiers in the form of, fam- of family, friends, and so forth. They're, fi- they're fallible. They cannot defend us. I like to say they're, to take it to a nautical analogy, from soldiers to navy, they're, they're mutinous. Hmm? They're, they're, they're rebellious. They're, not only will they not protect us, they will likely turn against us if we don't um, satisfy their needs, their senses, hmm? which are like everyone's senses, never satisfied. <laughs> so it's a lucid cause. So he begins like this, you can't depend on them. There's an appearance of reliability, security, family, friends, my house, picket fence, a dog that barks when anyone comes, and so forth. But, um, but nothing would protect us. Nothing on that side. That is... We we sure as death. Sure as death is the only sure thing in the world. And some people trying to stop it by material means. Kamalakshan Prashangi sent me a video, The Immortals, I think it was called. Scientists trying to turn back time and have some argument how they would stop. Of course, we'd have to have an eternity of time to know if they were successful. They could, have post- they could postpone for some time. But uh, at any rate, ensure us death. So, the world will fail us. That's the point. And so, we know that. It's a bad investment. We may as well invest in the subjective side, even though it's invisible. Words come from there. The words that come from that side, the Bhagavad Gita, they are powerful enough to give us the courage to be sensible and turn away from a bad investment. They say, don't throw good money after bad. That will, the world will not, investing in that will not give us security, not an enduring situation. Turn away from that to see it for what it is so to speak. This is a common thing. I mean, everybody knows it, right? Sure as that. Everybody knows it, but everybody ignores it um, to one extent or another. Hmm. So to make that very prominent, bring it to the fore, this is what life is about. Hmm. This is what you're dealing with. And then, then, some, some, some words about that which transcends words, some thoughts about that which transcends thought. The nature of the words is that they're just trying to describe something that we are the nature of, of the nature of. 
that subjective world, we're a unit of that. That's appealing to us. It, it, it gives some comfort to hear about it, even though the words symbolically kind of represent that and partially still they're spoken from that side that which is ineffable is put into some words anyway it is said in the sutras that um, what is that sutra fourth or fifth sutra Vedanta um, anyway, it is said uh, it speaks about the ineffable, ineffable nature of Ikshitena Shabdat Ikshitena Shabdat it's beyond the nature of this Brahman that we are now to inquire about it's beyond words so, some say, therefore, it is a silent position. But the Gaudis say, it is that about which we cannot say enough. Not that it will make us silent. It will make us silent to talks of this world. We have no ear for that. Even the higher... A kind of aesthetic talks, poetry, and emotional nuances, and so forth. It's just reach the peak of human feelings and sensibilities, and, and so forth. Mahaprabhu said, Kavitamba, Jagadisha Kame, Nadanamadana, Kavitamba. Even this. Hmm? That, that, that humanness that, that compels you to feel bigger and you know and and the, 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 the victories of material life the team was down you know and the leader was maligned and, and somehow they rose to the victory make it a book and make it a movie and it's uplifting it's feel good kind of you know, movies and Impossible is possible. Hmm? And these things, they, they all, even such stories, pale. Hmm? In relation to, to the, the story of the absolute and the possibility, what what the, what victory uh, constitutes? Hmm? Transcending the whole, not 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 the, not solving the problems of the world, but ending the world of problems. Hmm? As soon as you win the game, win the race, or win the election, then it's back to normal, back to the, the next anxiety on some other level. It's a euphoric for a moment, they won the World Series, and get drunk and wake up with a hangover. <laughs> And just try to relive that couple moments a few times and, and back to another season. Um, make it end up in the, in the last place. Somehow. So, um, as, as, as 
miraculous as it is. They people like that. They, 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 they live really for the miracles, don't they? They live for those kind of stories of celebrations of, of, of as close as it could get to the impossible. All odds against it happened. Hmm. So this is the story for us. We are Nityabhada Jivas. Hmm. We've been in this condition forever and, and now the opportunity to fully rise above it and so forth. But we are of that nature that, that is that part of our potential. So here from that side, from the heart hmm, and the consciousness situated there, whoever in, in, however um, uh, lacking is the medium to convey in words and thoughts, still they have power. Hmm? Some power. We feel encouraged. And so we the invisible world. We believe in the invisible world because the visible world has we've been shown the visible world from a different angle than we were able to see it. We saw it for what it was for a moment. It was shocking. Oh goodness. Shocking. Even the good is bad. Hmm? The goodest of the good is the bad is also bad. It's all bad. Hmm? So, go to the other side. We must go. It's invisible, but still, uh, it's said there's more on that side. <laughs> That's the bigger side. But we can't see. We find one person, a book from that side, and so forth. It's enough hmm, to encourage us to, to make the leap. And Arjuna ultimately picked up the bow and he and basically the five Pandavas comparatively their their group was very much small Hmm? Yodhan was was competent he had the armies Arjuna was competent he had Krishna Hmm? on his side so um, this is the great uh, story of the Bhagavad Gita Hmm? Arjun, ultimately, after almost 700 verses, he, and, and so much philosophy and theology, some inkling into the nature of that world, some very clear insight about the nature of this world and about ourselves and our prospect, both sides, both environments are described, the material and the spiritual, spiritual in a more general way, the material in, in detail. The nature of this, the self is kind of in between the two sides, in quite some some detail, and uh, very powerfully, chapter after chapter after chapter. Hmm? And Arjuna here is described in the end as the fellow with the bow. Hmm? So the point is, he picked up the bow, hmm? and Sanjaya made his concluding remark, in which he answers to Dhritarashtra's question at the beginning of the Gita, what is transpiring on the battlefield where my sons and the sons of Pandu have been assembled uh, and uh, under um, warring conditions. And so the seer, hmm? Sanjaya, 
Dhritarashtra was completely blind. I mean, he had attachment, blinded by his attachment. And that's why the war was going on. And uh, Sanjay, the seer, in an ordinary sense only, but in a, in a mystical sense, and you could see philosophically, theologically, you could see. This is his statement here. Krishna and Arjuna. Wherever there is Krishna, Yatra Yogeshvara Krishna. And he says, wherever there is the master of yoga, Krishna. Yogeshvara. Be the master of yoga. This every chapter is a yoga in here. And Krishna is the master. He says, he's taking it to a timeless place. We're talking about the birth of the Gita. It's a historical event in the context of a, a literary work of spiritual character, the Bhagavad Gita. But he's giving a timeless answer. When he says, wherever there is Krishna, the master of yoga, wherever there is, it could be here, it could be somewhere else, anywhere this could happen. Krishna could come into your life, the master of yoga. Wherever Krishna comes into your life, wherever, wherever it is, at any place, at any time. And wherever there is Yatri Yogeshwara Krishna, Yatra Partha Dhanurdhara. And wherever there is Partha, Arjuna, characterized, described as the carrier of the bow. Wherever there is means an Arjuna like person who's picked up the bow, the weapon, and decided to war against war. Certainly, a peace. <laughs> this is a peace, a peace movement here. It, it seems to be a, a, a battle, which, which brings it into question. The morality of the Gita is brought into question at the very onset of the text. It's a book about war, in which war is encouraged. Throw it in the dustbin. Some of the modern people will think, hmm? but it's a war. It's about making war against war. Hmm? It's making war against pacifism, even, which is another form of war in the perspective of the Gita. It's also a form of war. Hmm? You want to end, on some level, again, this material struggle. Hmm? But unless we come out of the the very idea of who we are that, it, that is derived from material identification, we, we are hardly really a pacifist in the true sense of the term. Hmm? You have to take in order to live. You have to kill in order to live. Hmm? I mean, peace march. You know, we, we saw the movie last night. There may be a peace march, but how many vegetarians in the peace march? Where does it begin? And then, and then, amongst them, right? And these girls, you can't get away from it. Hmm? Our claim to peace and 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 uh, that we are worthy of following is not that we're vegetarians, as, as Prabhupada said, we're Krishnarians, <laughs> vegetarians inside of a larger context. Hmm? That um, it takes us, that it takes us on a course 
to transcend the very bodily concept of life that an identity that one that in order to defend one has to be a fighter. The very Darwinian statement of the Bhagavatam, one living being is food for another. It goes, is it? And the, 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 the this creature is food for this, and the, the four-legged is our food for the two-legged, and the Bhagavatam. And sum it up. Jivojiva says, one living being is food for another. It's a neck piece. Just take his probe. That's your armor. Protecting in the war against war. So, to, uh, this is Bhagavad It's a war against war, and the and, the, and, and that which is called peace, but on another level. Depends who you talk to. It's a war. You may stop fighting amongst humans and eat the animals, and they won't think that the war is over, or on another level, another level. So, hmm. It's a book, as I say, that, it, of course, it's a book unto itself, but it's a chapter of the Mahabharata, a book about morals and it, uh, moral life, religious life, and, it, and then its own position is in question because it seems to advocate a war arguing. It's told to pick up the bow. And, but the transcendental nature of the war, if you will, of the setting and what it's about is brought out in this last verse. It's a nice verse to go to in terms of the birth of the Gita, because it's an ongoing affair that, while we can speak about it geographically, at Kurukshetra it took place, and maybe this many years ago, and, and so it's in a particular book, and has a particular history, it is a transcendental history, and it's a history of, of the ingress of Krishna, hmm? the Yogeshwar, hmm? into the lives of the Jivas, hmm? who get courage from that ingress through sadhusanga to say to say make war against 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 war. This is this is the fight that Arjuna was such a powerful warrior from a material point of view and such a dignified and righteous person. Hmm? And he was he was made to tremble and drop his bow at the idea of killing the ego. Hmm? We're supposed to think, whoa, this is a, this is, it takes a lot of courage, and there will be ups and downs of many, many kinds. Hmm? Um, I was speaking to one of the other day, and I and who was saying, I wish our sangha could be more like this or more like that in terms of the disposition and temperament and so forth. And uh, I said, well, you could wish like that. That's a good idea. Uh, I think that is a good, materially speaking, good temperament. We were not too bad, but, but I said the problem is the solution. That the problem is is, is bhakti. The problem is that something is is calling people from all walks of life. If you don't live in the ashram, for example, then you can keep a group of friends that are of similar type and, and, and so forth. Hmm? But here we find people are drawn from all positions. Hmm? And if you complain about that, then you have to blame bhakti. 
Bhakti's there to say all of these should be transcended and some may be better than others if you're better then you should be able to tolerate and help others rise up and, and so on and so forth. we can't take bhakti out of it that's the problem hmm? especially Nityananda going everywhere to everybody oh, and, oh. and oh, crazy people come as well so, of course within the context of the ashram and mission you can find some smaller pockets <laughs> of uh, compatible thinking and so on and so forth but overall I see my position you have to help everyone and encourage everyone on all levels and so forth so so anyway it's a great it's a great it's a great challenge Arjun was and this is one of the things that there are many troubles one of the troubles I gotta tolerate other people and and I I see he's like this she's like that but she's a devotee also Hmm. And Guru Maharaj accepting Krishna is accepting him. Hmm. And so I have to transcend my own thinking about their worthiness of my, of my company and so forth, which may be true in some level. Hmm. So this is, I just bring it up as one of the Prabhupada used to say that your austerity is to tolerate one another. Hmm us when I wouldn't complain but some of my governors complained about this guy is driving me crazy and Prabhupada said oh, this is your this is to your austerity you don't have to go and submerge yourself in the Ganges in the winter up to your neck on the coldest night as an austerity to demonstrate that you're not the body and you can live in such extremes and so forth and then in the summer sit at the noon in front of the fire and so forth. This is the tapasvis. Your austerity, and this is the Kali Yuga austerity, is to observe the Kadasi by feasting, <laughs> not fasting. It's probably would say. You spend your money instead of shopping for yourself on the deity. This is your austerity. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. So, but to tolerate one another, and and you know, yes, it's easy comparatively. But then we are Kali Yuga people, so it's difficult for us. <laughs> what would be a breeze for the Satya Yuga people? That's all we have to do. Yeah, very, very <laughs> difficult for us. And uh, so it's a challenge. But uh, and such as I say, that Arjun dropped his bow. I have to do that. I have to slay my relatives, my atten- all my attachments. That's who I am. Yes, yes that's who you think you are. This has to- so to give a death to this ego self, this is an end of all war, hmm? a war to end all wars, so to speak. Hmm? And it's a non-violent war. What do you, you know? What, what is the means for killing the ego? It's not, you know, a boxing match, so to speak. It's, it's. So you raise your hands, surrender to Krishna, chant, help, help. That's you, you call out, help, help me, help me. And that's the war. So it's a nonviolent resistance. It's a non-cooperation movement. Hmm? I'm not cooperate with the ego. It's insidious proposals. Hmm? No, I listen to Bhagavad Gita. 
and follow that path. Sounds so sublime. Hmm? So, um, despite the formidable task in front of him that far outweighed uh, the, uh, the actual physical idea of the war, hmm? Arjun rose to the occasion. Hmm? Here in the end, therefore, he's described as Donodara, he's part of any goddess bow. He dropped it in the Gita, and Krishna began to speak. Mm-hmm. And all this time Krishna is speaking, Arjuna's bow is on the ground, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's listening. And so in the end we find, oh, he picked up the bow. Mm-hmm. He's inscribed as the bearer of the bow. Mm-hmm. Danur Dhara. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's a skill also. Mm. He's an archer. Mm. It says he's an archer. Arjuna's skills were very good. It's it, there's this section in the Mahabharata where um, early in their lives they are practicing their art of archery. Mm. And Krishna's there as a friend and advisor, and um, he tells the Pandavas to go one by one, and he puts up like a decoy bird in the tree, and says, so go and focus, and all right, you just here, go, focus. Now, look at the bird, and what do you see? He says, "Okay, I see this. I see the tree. What else? I see the branches. I see some sky, and I see the bird." And he says, "Sit down. Next, Bhimanka. What do you see? I see the branch. You don't see the tree? No, I only see the branch. What? Anything else? I see the leaves and." The little sky and the bird. Just sit down. Mm-hmm. Next Pandu will come. What do you see? Each one sees less and less. And Arjun comes. What do you see? Mm-hmm. Do you see the tree? No. Do you see the branches? No. Do you see the leaves? No. Do you see the bird? No. What do you see? I see only the... The target was the eye of the bird. I see only the eye. Krishna said, let the arrow go. <laughs> This is kind of focus. Is the, the lesson for this is Vyabhasayatmika Bhudi Ekeha Kurunamas. The Gita says you have to be one minded, one minded in the focus, not see anything else. There's the one picture, there's the evolve. And Arjuna was the best archer of the Pandavas. So it implies here, um, by referring to him in this, uh, this epithet, that he was skillful. Mm. Uh, so we're, there's the Yogeshwar and there's the Dhanurdhara. Yogeshwar means the master of yoga and and Arjuna represents him who's skillful in the art of yoga, having learned from the master himself. Mm. He's skillful. Mm. And so the implication is that wherever there is a... There, Krishna is represented... Mm. 
and by a master of yoga. And on the other side is a student who's skillful in the art and listens well and is one-minded and focused. This is what we want in the Bhagavad Gita. This is the equation, Sanjay says. With this in place, because this is in place, and wherever it is in place, directly or indirectly, in other words, Krishna was directly there, Arjuna was wherever there is Krishna, the master of yoga is properly represented, and wherever there's an artful student who pays close, all you have to do is listen. Pay close attention. Prabhupada tells the story of how he was seated in an assembly and Bhaktisam Sarasri Thakur was speaking. And he was listening, but a godbrother of his was talking to him, saying something hmm, in his ear. And Bhaktisam Sarasri Thakur stopped the lecture and pointed to Prabhupada and said, So, are you prepared to sit here? You don't have to listen? Prabhupada was listening. The other guy was talking in his ear. And Prabhupada said, so if you're not prepared to sit here, then maybe you should listen. He stopped the whole talk like this. And Prabhupada wasn't even guilty. Mm-hmm. And Prabhupada thought, Guru Maharaj is so merciful, so kind. He would stop his whole talk to make this point to me. Even I wasn't, I was trying to listen instead of the other guy I was trying to listen. Just to make this point, to point out to me that, if you just pay attention, just listen, then you can become a master of yoga. You can be very successful. Hmm? So he thought, Guru is so kind. To, he cared about me so much. He correct me. Even though it was a, maybe I was listening to that guy. <laughs> well, I you know, was trying not to. But maybe I was listening to him. Hmm? That's one-mindedness. So, some this is implied here. The skillfulness, the archery of Arjuna was, was well known. He was the best of the archers, and it was because of his focus. So, where we have that focus and the proper teacher, then Sanjay says, "Then there will be victory." And he says that he says they will. He says, "Yatriyogeshvara Krishna." He says that there will be there will be uh, Sri means like good fortune. Hmm? That's the name for the goddess of fortune. So there will be good fortune. Bijai there will be victory. Hmm? And Bhutir, there will be hmm, well-being. Hmm? And Niti means there will be morality. <laughs> That's what he wants to say. Don't think. Don't think that this book is about War and uh, you know, there will definitely be morality. In the beginning of the Gita, 
after when Krishna starts to speak to Arjuna and ignores his questions about his arguments about Dharma and just says, you know, whatever you want to say about Dharma, who will protect the children if the elders are killed and this and that and all these. So he just ignores all those arguments and says, look, you know, you're a fool actually. You speak these learned words of Dharma, but you do not know what is Brahman and you are of that nature and no one dies and no one kills and so on and so forth. And then he comes back at the end of that just to say a few words directly about the arguments of Arjun. And, and Krishna really doesn't want to argue on that level because it's all relative. He wants to take it to the absolute level. But he does argue, just a couple of verses in favor of, you know, dharma. And Arjun has a, has a comeback, which is inevitable because it's the field of relativity. And more or less, uh, Arjuna says, anyway, whatever. Hmm? My point here is this, that if you kill hmm, your own family hmm, in the spirit of the pursuit of your nature as as an Atman, its prospect, hmm, if that's required, as an extreme example, hmm? if it should be, hmm? uh, in order for you to be successful in pursuing spiritual life, do it, and you, you, you'll not be culpable. Hmm? Can, there would be no karmic reaction for that. So good it is, he wants to say. So good for the world it is. We don't have to kill our relatives to do that, but he wants to make an example of what is. You want to talk morality? Let me say, here's what I say to you about your morality. The gopis are there as the example. Same, same point is being made in a different, different story, right? They're answering to Krishna. They appear to be, from a village perspective, young girls. Forgoing the Dharma and morality altogether, but no. It's the highest example of morality, acknowledging to whom we actually belong in the context of parakya. Swakya means belonging, and parakya means another. The appearance is that they've gone to another and left to whom they belong their husbands, their families, the village, and it's its reputation and so forth. They belong there. Hmm? They've gone to... But that other is to whom we belong, actually. We are all belonging there. The husbands of the gopis belong there. Hmm? The families belong there. The village, everyone belong, belongs there. As if we're all adulterous. We belong with Krishna and we're with someone else, something else, some other idea. Really, the parakya is this full face of the swakya. And the swakya here, our sense of belonging. That you're our family, our son. How can you go there? <laughs> that is parakya. That is paramour. That is adulterous. It's a world of adultery. We belong there on that side. This is the idea. 
So what is, so what is with the morality if it ends up like this? And it only goes that far, therefore. You must push on. Yes, you, you cage, but don't stay in a cage. Get some reward. Act like this. Come out of the cage and run. Hmm? Not like an animal, but hmm, wildly, nonetheless, after Krishna, after that which is really meaningful, to whom you belong. Hmm? So, <laughs> so he says they will be victorious. Hmm? They will be, you know, wherever the, the, the setting is, there will be victory, there will be well-being, there will be good fortune, and there will be morality. Don't think this is a business. This book is about that, any morality. No, there will be morality in a higher sense. And he says, he says uh, that, uh, he says, this, this is my opinion. And my opinion um, is, is fixed. He says, he uses a word from the solar system, the pole star, Dhruva, is thought in the Vedic um, astronomy or whatnot, cosmography, to be a fixed star around which others are orbiting. So this, is, this word is used kind of as a, a galactic example. This is fixed throughout all time and space forever. It will never change. My opinion on this is fixed. It's true. It can never, wherever there is, this equation is, hmm, there will be victory. There's no hope. You can have a million gurus. Hmm, you could increase your army a million fold. Hmm, and you could not be uh, victorious. So he's, he wants to, he, he concludes with this, this is my opinion, and it's very, and I, it's unshakable. Hmm. You get, read this and get that kind of, wow, it's coming from that side, from that world. Hmm. And here no one is sure about anything except that they will die. <laughs> hmm. Sure, nothing can be relied upon there. Everything is reliable. Hmm. Everything is alive and reliable, all promoting the central um, necessity, energy to the center, everyone giving energy to the center. And the center's reciprocating, Rasaraj. Hmm. Everyone, everything you can rely on. Here you can rely on nothing. Hmm. So these words of conviction, they're, they're coming from that side. We read them properly. You shiver at the end of the Bhagavad Gita. This, this will happen. Hmm. I will take Krishna on my side. I will follow the example of Arjuna. And I will be victorious in every way. And I can't wait for anyone else. The whole, I, don't, I, I, I can't wait for a whole army of friends and family and the country. And it's popular. <laughs> and so on and so forth. Yeah, I'll go if you go. Not like that. No. <laughs> I'll go. I'll hear the call from that side. Be encouraged. So this is Bhagavad Gita. So this is the Gita, Jayanti, the birth of the Gita. It's going on again and again. People hear this sacred conversation. They get the courage. Hmm? Bhagavad Gita is again taking birth. This is really... I mean, I said it's it's been translated many times, in many ways. It's been used as a metaphor for politics and social life and many other things and so forth. But 
we were talking about is really what the Gita is about. It's very revolutionary. And, it, and it, it, this idea of what it's about this is, and the conviction to follow it. This is all at the onset now here for the war. This is what it means, the Gita, Jayanti, the birth of the Gita. Let it be born again again. Hmm? And there will be victory. Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Krishna Arjuna, Mahabharata. Any question? Yes. I looked at your dedication of the book. It says that it's dedicated to the great grandchildren of the Sarah Saraswati. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, was that your meditation? Let's see, like you. Was that your meditation while writing it, or was it like an afterthought? And also, um, if you could elaborate a little well, I, uh, I think uh, um, it's in the spirit of the, <laughs> the Guru Parampara. Hmm? Right there. It has to be ongoing commentaries and so forth. And, um, and, and the unfortunate fact that it will probably be appreciated more by the next generation than the previous generation is still hanging around. <laughs> uh, and uh, in, in, all, in many cases, in many instances, um, where their succession goes on, they um, don't, don't, don't take advantage of ongoing um, teaching. Bhakti Vinod Thakur said that in the Kali Yuga, the, Purva, the previous Acharyas will always be appreciated more than the present Acharyas. He was experiencing it himself, Bhakti Vinod. And we appreciate him so much because he's a previous Acharya. <laughs> but the present ones, uh, they'll be popular after they're gone. Some people will catch on hmm? in, the, in, the, in the present. And then they'll carry on. Hmm? So uh, I was thinking a little bit like that. Hmm? Um, that uh, and what Prabhupada started with a really uh, devotional Gaudiya Vaishnav commentary in English language for the Western speaking uh, for the Western people I mean it can go east and west and north and south and everything but put it in English so an English edition um, or let's say in, 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 in it was translated so we should you know in in a, well, a modern edition, let's say, for the modern world, um, to carry on that kind of tradition. And um, I thought it would be appreciated by my, my, my own students, maybe nobody else. <laughs> so I thought, I'm writing for them. Mm-hmm. But they uh, also, in the spirit of the discussion, uh, it, wherever there's Krishna, wherever there is Yogeshwar, wherever there is, so we can't be intimidated by the idea we came later. Sugadev was a 16-year-old boy, and Vyasa Narada sat to hear what he would say mm-hmm. when the assemblies gathered uh, around the questions of Pariksit Maharaj, and Sugadev came to speak. 
after even Vyas and Nara were there, what would he say? Nara taught Vyas, Vyas taught Sukadev, but they weren't. They didn't think, I know it all. Hmm? <laughs> so this kid's going to talk now. Let's you and me go do something else. And the kid's not level class here. But they knew the nature of the subject. Hmm? They knew the nature of the subject. And I thought, it will be spoken at such a such a time like this. Something else will come out. Has to. More will come. Hmm? It'll be churned. Hmm? And more will come out. So let us sit. This is, they said that kind of example. And the young Sukadev led the whole world. So a few young people. He encouraged. That hmm? have some role to play in carrying on this great tradition. Hmm. There's some formal etiquette and so forth, and then there's what is the substance. We respect the elders, a tenure, and so forth, but ultimately only as much as they can. They are examples of substance. Hmm. So I expect all of you to understand the Bhagavad Gita and, and to uh, I was thinking that song teach your children well and that reverses out. So it's on you know not oh it's famous. Hmm? What, what's on? Teach your children well. Parents and the parents are supposed to learn from from the children, isn't it? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) What else? Yes. Um, You spoke a lot of different inclinations, for dharmic reasons, for. spiritual inclinations when he sits at the feet of Krishna and trusts that he'll have um, victory with Krishna. And I was wondering how one can know when he has like an inclination or she has an inclination if it comes from a material motivation or if it comes from a spiritual inclination not like um, after it happens like reflecting on it but in the moment. I don't understand. Can you say it again? Um, like, in the moment of being motivated to act a certain way, how yeah. can you know if it comes from um, a spiritual... Well, how are you motivated to act? If you're motivated to act in a way that is um, a way that a devotee should act, then it must be coming from the right place. Mm-hmm. Right? So you, 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 you look at your motivations to act and see if they conform with what the, the teaching is. And if you're on the same page, then you can enter into the book. And there'll be a story about you one day that also others will learn from. So, does that help? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm kind of thinking like 
because like after something happens, you can kind of like think about it. But in the moment when, you know, it's just kind of like emotional based, like how to stay in that position of thinking, where is this motivation coming from? Um, when, it, when it happens really quick, when you all of a sudden like get inspired to do something like, and you talk a certain way, like what you say, how do you know where it comes from? Like in that exact moment, I don't know. How do you know where it's coming from? Well, it depends what you say. Mm-hmm. If you say the right thing, then it's coming from the right place. Mm-hmm. That's what I, how I answered your question previously, too. So, uh, Otherwise, it's a little hard to understand your question. But um, maybe, you know, if, if you find yourself saying something in a moment and it's, you're inspired to say it, for example, Sounded good. Is that what you're saying? Then you want to stay in that space and maintain that? How do you maintain that? No. Yeah, yeah. how do you keep like a clear head to know where something comes from? Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think you have to be acquainted with the teaching to know where it comes from. And if you see, you have to hear something come out of your mouth and you go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> where you did something like this and that's not, you know. So if what's coming out and what you're doing is is, is conforming with the teaching and, and it's coming from the right place. And, and then to be like that all the time, well, that's what we practice doing. So, yeah, practice makes perfect. So we're, as, as a sadhana, building are training like that and training the mind and... and um, Embracing a certain standard of behavior and so forth, and gradually becomes uh, second nature. What else? Marcos, question? Yeah. Just trying to come to terms with uh, how Arjuna at first didn't want to fight his grandfather or grandfather. Yeah. Bhishma. Bhishma. And Bhishma being on the other side of the army, uh, knowing full well Krishna's being the Supreme Personality Godhead, but then still fighting for Tritarashtra and being on the opposite side, being on the side of Adhan. How Bhishma could do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you have to read the Mahabharata in one sense and and it, it you know it's speaking to us about principles about um, the way the world works and so forth hmm? and it's a leela so it's, it's it, 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 it says to us that you know people get compromised hmm? in compromised positions and so forth and you know, Bhisma is a great devotee, and that all comes out in the Mahabharata too. I mean, he brings out the beautiful side of Krishna, who takes the side of his devotee and is partial to his devotee, and ready to break his own promise not to fight. If it if it means that by not fighting, Arjuna will be vanquished by Bhisma, he's going to fight anyway and break his promise. And Bhishma was loving to see that. Mm. Uh, 
Arjuna had promised that he would be on Arjuna's side. Duryodhana could have the armies, and that Krishna would be on Arjuna's side, but he wouldn't lift a weapon. Hmm? And Duryodhana was very confident. But so Bhishma was confident that Krishna loves Arjuna, and if Arjuna is going to fail in the battle, then Arjuna, Krishna would break his promise, and that's beautiful protect his devotee. Hmm? And so Bhishma put up a fight that Arjuna was going down and his chariot broke and the wheel came off and Krishna jumped off the chariot, picked up the wheel and went after Bhishma and Bhishma was, that's what I'm living for that moment. I'm ready to die right now at that picture. Krishna protecting his devotee breaking his promise. So we see that he's a great devotee. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, the, the construct you know, of the whole construction of the whole affair uh, also requires making a point that good people with good intentions get in compromised situations such as the nature of the world. You know, he, he's, he's a He's a good guy, but he's on the wrong side because of attachments, and, and that happens. And he just wants to bring out those kinds of points, I think. Um, um, you know, and it is a drama, it is a leela. And so, in drama, sometimes a good guy wears a bad, bad black hat, you know, for a little while or something like that. It's not. Um, it's not that Mahabharata uh, and then the Bhagavatam that story is depicted that Arjuna's Bhishma is lying in a bed of arrows and, and, he, and, and the beautiful philosophy comes out and he speaks and it's uh, so his, his character as a devotee is not compromised but for the sake of the drama and making it the contrast that it is that we were talking about we had to have such things happen mm-hmm. I mean, it makes it extremely dramatic that Arjun's really father, I mean, he was fathered by, because his father, Pandu, died, and he was raised by Bhishma, and Drona was his guru in the martial arts, and both of them, by the circumstances, political circumstances, were on the other side. So I think it's also a culture, and they didn't have, like, a choice so much, you know, it was a... It was a, a difficult situation. I don't know how to give an example. A difficult situation, and and what could be done, and um, something like that. And you know, you want it to be otherwise, but then there wouldn't be a war, and there wouldn't be the, the drama. Wouldn't happen. There wouldn't be the kind of contrast that there was. Arjun and Duryodhana said, "I'm not." Duryodhana said, "We're on Arjun's side. We're going over here." And then, then Arjun wouldn't have had to slay his attachments, you know, to his 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 teacher of martial arts, his, his grandfather raised him, uh, and so forth. So it's a necessity for the sake of bringing out the point. Mm-hmm. And even though, um, in order to do that, Bhishma takes the other side, we see what side he's actually on, mm-hmm. what he's really about, and, and what, he, what beautiful theological and devotional point he brought out in the war. Hmm. 
No, you have to see it like a drama. And the world is like that. I'm not sure how how did Bhishma get on that side. How Krishna may have may have been part of his own arrangement that I'll be on this side. Bhishma has to be on that side. It's also a whole different, you know. There's this Chatriya code about the fights and, you know, and stuff like that. You know, it's a it's a whole different thing than you know today. What else? Yes. Um, I remember when Bhima died. He remembered Krishna through seeing. Um, through seeing. Yeah, like he saw the form of Krishna while he died. Bhishma? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I was wondering in our position, um, is mantra the best way to remind ways of seeing. Serving Krishna is seeing Krishna. So, to develop the serving ego. We try to serve rather than to see. As we know, seeing is a serving. But there was once on the Brajmandal Park on the, the, the circumambulation of the whole Brajmandal, the whole circle of the Vrindavan, uh, Leelas of Krishna that Bhaktisiddhanta took his group of devotees and they would circumambulate the camp here and tell this happened here and then the lecture the next night and so forth. So one night they came to the at the uh, there was a famous Seishai deity that uh, was famous. Some of the deities are more famous than others for things that they've done and so forth. And so it was told us the last night in this spot where you can have the darshan of the deity here and if you, if you don't go tonight you won't get to see and Bhaktisiddhanta was speaking that night so some of the Buddhists went to see and some stayed to hear him speak Prabhupada Sridhar Maharaj were amongst the ones that stayed and Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Sakura said they've gone to see the deity but what will they see? Hmm? They're, well, he criticized his own disciple they're Dandabhat disciples Thunderbolt means thunderbolt, but they, they don't. They're seeing by hearing, by hearing the guru, they would see more than by going with their eyes to see the deity. This is was his point. He marked Prabhupada. He likes to hear. Prabhupada used to tell me, my guru said he likes to hear. So, so this way, then you'll see Krishna. And you'll remember Krishna. Krishna will appear before you, at least in your mind, meditative mind. All right. Shrimad Bhagavad Gita ki jaya. Jaya. Oh, Bhaktivinoda ki jaya. Jaya. Premanandi.